0: Good afternoon everybody, this is your host Huge Pop from the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast coming to you today, just to say hi from the Huge Pop, my name is Scott Rogers, I'm Huge Pop, so I'm calling me Cat Daddy, but what I really want to talk to you about is what I do, and my wife and I do, um, besides the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast, I am a foster parent and emergency shelter here in um, Florida, we take care of eight kids at a time. And as a form of self-care, I do uh, the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast with my brother. We interview um, talent from all over the world, um, from indies to uh, legends of um, WWF, WCW. We just love bringing wrestling content to um, fans. And um, hopefully you guys are watching this, and hopefully you guys are a huge pop wrestling fan. And if you are, please go to all the, um, the social media sites, which I'll have in the video here. And also don't forget Huge Pop Wrestling podcast has their own merch. You can get that at prowrestlingtees.com and I'll have that link and I'll have a few of the images on there going forward at part of this video. But tonight is Christian Wrestling Federation, CWF Rockwall, a company out of Texas, a Christian-based organization promotion that talks gives ta- brings the word um, to the fans at the end of the show. But they put on a wrestling show like no other. So let's listen in on this um, podcast tonight. A special guest. We'll have that here in a moment. The announcement, well, you'll see that on the video here. But thanks again, guys, for um, tuning in. Again, my name is Scott. Scott Rogers from Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. I'm known as Huge Pop. I hope you enjoy the content. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, See you tonight. Bible Club, e- e- eternal life.
1: It's time to believe in Luke 9. Crucify my best. I'm a bit into death. Got a gasp for breath. The day I
2: rest. No more shackles, no more chains. I'm out of my case.
0: Good evening everybody. This is Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. Your host, Huge Pop, Nikki D on the bottom. Tonight we have a young man with us from the CWF Rockwalk. He's been at the Dog Pound Championship Wrestling Promotion as well as a 360 Pro Wrestling. And let's introduce our our guest to you tonight. It's Luke Nine. What's going on, my brother?
1: Hey guys, how are you doing?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing? Nice shirt, by the
1: the way. Thank you. Thank you. I noticed that uh, we're matching.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I got to say one thing about the CWF. Um, if you're not a Bible Club fan, then what you doing? So get their merch. Get them at ProWrestlingTees.com. Hit up, um, search Bible Club, and get one of these shirts. Let's go. And who cares what um, the announcer Bobby says? He doesn't have to be a fan. All right, let's just go.
1: You hear that, Bobby? <laughs> doesn't matter what you say.
0: That's right. I don't care what you say so anyways, so can you tell us your about your journey into professional wrestling how did you get started in the industry etc like as a fan first of all i guess
1: as a fan yeah okay so um i was young i was probably around 11 or 12 and my i was at the house and my dad he used to watch Devon Eric's back in the day, and he's he even went and saw them live at the Sportatorium when he was younger, and uh, you know it was just one of those days or one of those nights we were just in the living room, and he he's like, hey, check this out, BJ, and uh, we flipped it over to the channel, and uh, it was he he had put it on. It was WWF at the time, and. Uh, and I started watching it, and I was like, what is this? And he's like, it's wrestling. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I sat there for a few minutes, and I was watching it. And uh, I couldn't tell you, you know, who was wrestling at the time when, I, when he first turned it over there. But all I remember is this was awesome. And um, WWF was a little bit edgier, you know, at that time. So uh, two channels over, uh, we found WCW. And I started watching WCW and obviously the people that caught my eye at the beginning was Ray Mysterio, Juventud de Guerrera, um, all the luchadors, Dean Malenko, guys mm-hmm. like that. And then quickly, you know, at closer to the end of the show, started seeing main eventers, uh, like Diamond Dallas Page and Sting and, uh, Hogan was over there at the time. But, um, uh, but yeah, that that was my first my my first introduction into pro wrestling as a fan, and I've been really hooked ever since. And uh, so yeah, that's. All
0: right. Did you have any favorite wrestlers growing up?
1: Yes. Yeah, so growing up, uh, it had to be DDP and Sting. The the top two uh, in WCW, those were the two uh, standouts that I had some of my favorites. Um, but, and so <laughs> funny story, um, my parents used to go to bed early, uh, because they owned a donut shop. So I had to get up early. Well, I would, I'm telling all myself right now, but I would flip back and forth from WCW to WWF. And, uh, to, cause it was two different products. One was a little bit edgier than the other, but mm-hmm. I got to see both companies in the 97, 98 era, in my opinion, and I may be biased, but probably one of the greatest times of professional wrestling was the Monday Night Wars. Oh yeah! And I had no idea what that meant back then. Um, but I just knew that it was great wrestling and great TV. And so, anyway, obviously, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, uh, Triple H, guys like that is who I, I saw on WWF. Um, but uh, yeah, those those would have to be probably some of my favorites that I remember.
0: Are you talking Black and White Sting or are you talking the Surfer Sting?
1: Black and White Sting. Good, good. So good. I started watching Right as he transitioned. So he had transitioned from Surfer Sting, and he went up to the rafters. Mm-hmm. Right. it was probably just a few months after he made that transition when I started watching. So seeing Sting, you know, drop down from the rafters and that was like that, what, a an, uh, year and a half where he didn't wrestle right. a match. Right. He was just dropping in on folks and beating up NWO. And, you know, it was just, that was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Great memories. Yes, yes. Yep. Mickey
0: D, you got anything?
2: Yeah, I was gonna say you—you you just made a huge pops day. You don't know this about him, but he would literally drink Sting's bathwater if he could. He loves Sting, um, and that was actually a great time too. And I felt like WCW kind of wasted that with him because he was like the hottest thing for that company, and then they kind of brushed him aside for Goldberg, which is what I yeah. See, there he goes, the it's Sting stuff. <laughs> nice, <laughs> but. So to go back to what you said, you actually experienced it in person first before you watched it on TV. Is that what you said? You went to a um, a show with your dad to watch mm-hmm. the Von Erics?
1: No, 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 no. My dad went to the my dad went to those shows when he was younger.
2: Oh, oh so, so I, was
1: I, I didn't actually, you know, that's probably one of the regrets that I have as I never got to see WCW uh, or WWF at that time in person. However, uh, my dad did take me to some indie shows um, and one show in particular, Bradshaw was uh, there and I uh, got to see his enormous self clothesline somebody and powerbomb them. I was on the front row Ooh. and, you know, that was intense. That was intense for me. as seeing it, in, you know, in person and I, seeing this guy that I've seen on TV you know yeah. just go through and just lay out folks oh mikey whipwreck was at that show i believe uh from oh, ecw yeah. That yeah. Was, and I, so i had dabbled into a little ecw too uh, you know i don't know exactly how i got my hand i may have gotten a vhs of it one time from a uh yard sale or whatever mm-hmm. but i remember uh knowing who mikey whipwreck was getting to see him i saw the gentleman chris adams in in person um there was a guy there uh, named Hardbody Chris Knapp, um, which was interesting. I had posted photos that I would taken him, you know, when I was little at that show. Mm-hmm. His niece saw it and added me on Facebook and just like, that's my uncle. And that, it was really that was really neat. That was really cool. That but super cool. Yeah. So I got to I, my dad took me to, I think, two or three independent shows that were local. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, That would be a lot of fun.
0: Von Erickson. Yeah. I I hear stories. I talked to uh, a guy by the name of Herb Simmons, who's been in the business for 50 years. And, uh, Bruiser Brody's and Von Erickson, he tells me stories about those guys and at the chase, wrestling at the chase, et cetera. So that was, that, that probably was probably one of the better eras. I would say that I'm unfortunately was too young to even experience, but. Mm -hmm. So, so here's Luke nine watching some TV with his dad doing school, loving wrestling. When did you go, man, I want to do this for a career. (laughs)
1: Um, wow. So I had to take you back. So, uh, obviously I do me, uh, I rap, I'm a rapper, a Christian rapper. I was doing that. I pursued music for years and years and years and years. And, um, I was coming down to basically the end of what I would say my music career, if you want to call it that. But uh, I was losing, uh, I guess, losing interest in it. But I was like, I can't leave. I cannot stop. I can't stop doing music and not have something to replace it. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm getting older. And Diamond Dallas Page didn't start wrestling until he was 35. and so. I was thirty-three at this time, or thirty-two at this time, when I started thinking about that, and I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I said, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Um, But uh, so that was in two thousand and nineteen. Okay, let me take you back to two thousand and seven. Wow, I was visiting a friend in Huntsville. He was going to college there. I was promoting my music with a magnet on the side of my car, driving around Huntsville. Well, this guy messaged me at that time. It was MySpace. So, (laughs) yeah, he messaged me on MySpace and was like, hey, man, I I saw your uh, advertisement on your car in Huntsville and uh, decided to look you up. And he's like, man, I really like your music. And I was like, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. You know, this, that, you other. And we got to talking and he's like, Hey, I noticed that you're a wrestling fan. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been watching since I was little. He's like, well, I'm a, I'm an independent wrestler and I'm actually going to training in tonight uh, in a town that's kind of close to where you're at. Uh, if you'd like to come out and like, check it out. I was over the moon excited. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, absolutely. So well, I mean, my friend drove me out there and I had no, no idea what to expect. You know, I just was going to meet, you know, meet these guys out there and watch them train. Well, mm-hmm. they invited me into the ring. And so I got to, you know, they taught me a lot of, a lot of stuff in just a few hours, but I got to take my first bump, uh, that year, that night and, uh, did rolls, and, you know, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a mild concussion because, uh, I didn't know exactly know how to tuck my chin yep, uh, the proper way. And so we, we did this move and I was like, no, let me do it again. I, I can do it better. Well, the second time that I did it, I threw myself back to make it look good and mm. hit my head pretty hard. And I laid there mm. and I was like, okay, I'm not okay. Like I'm just going to hang out for a second and just chill out. <laughs> um, but, uh, but let me say, so anyway, that, that happened. They, they were, uh, the guys there, they were like really supportive. They were really helpful. Um, and you know, they were like, you know, you, you kind of got, you know, got a natural knack for this, you know? And I was like, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, the next two weeks I could barely move. I mean, I was sore. Mm-hmm. I could. I was so sore. I've never been through anything like that before in my life. Uh, they say every time that you bump, it's like, you know, having a, a minor car accident because your body jars so bad so much and so bad. Uh but I had a blast. It was great. So the guy that reached out to me was uh Anthony Gundacker. He goes by the gun show. He actually is still wrestling right now um for Heart of Texas Wrestling and um Lone Star Pro Wrestling. And I think he does some does some other promotions too. But shout out to Gundacker man. He really uh back in 2007 he took a chance to message some random rapper that you know that he saw around town and he really just you know got gave me a taste my first taste of professional wrestling as far as being in the ring myself um, but anyway so anyway back to 2019 I'm wrestling I'm wrestling with this thought of training to wrestle but I had no idea where to train at I had no I had I knew nothing knew nobody but I reached out to Anthony and I was like, cause we kept in touch all those years. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, he was like, still, you know, big fan of the, of the music. I even, um, I, he had a, po- I think he had a podcast at one point in time. Um, and so like, you know, we just kept in touch. Mm-hmm. anyway. So I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I, you know, can you sh- point me into the direction of where I can start training? Cause I want to, I really want to do this. And I, I, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I'm going to have regrets. And he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know what? Uh, there's this company finished startup called heart of Texas wrestling. And uh, he said, come out it, the where, where they were going to be training at was like an hour and a half away from me. So that's pretty, fairly close. Mm-hmm. So I, he was like, come out, you know, and you know, we'll just start training you. And I was like, all right, like, cool. Like, so I went out there. Uh, and basically started training with them And, um, my, then, then from there, I, I started training with another guy who's, um, who I respect highly in the business, Aaron Presley, um, with 360 pro. Um, and he's, Aaron has done so much for my career and, you know, me be able to live this dream. It's insane. Like I could We'd have to have a whole nother show about telling you about all the stuff that Aaron has done, being able to do for me and teach me and stuff, and uh, very grateful for that. But anyway, so that's that was my journey into professional wrestling.
0: Awesome, man. That's thanks for that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah,
2: that is very cool. So I have a if it's cool, a huge pop. I have a question. The what was the place? I was thinking when you started out talking about that that he was reaching out to you, the gentleman that you mentioned who told you that he was training. He said, I noticed you're a wrestling fan. I kind of thought he was going to reach out to you so you could put together like a cool entry song for him or whatever, like an entrance song. So I didn't see you going in that direction, but you trained with them. Where did you train with them at? Because there was kind of like a, there was like a little bit of a gap from when you first did it with him. Right. You got like a regular school. So where was that first place at?
1: So that for that first place really wasn't even a school. From what I from what I understand, it was just a bunch of guys that were just you know that they, they had previous training. So, okay. uh, if I'm not mistaken, don't, don't quote me on this because I don't gundecker might be uh, upset if I get this wrong. But I'm pretty sure him and Marcus Rose they traveled together. Uh, they trained at Ring of Honor sure. and Chikara. If I'm not mistaken. Um, And so they had they had some previous training and there was some other guys there. I I don't know. I can't remember who they were, but they had previous training. So they they had a ring set up in this warehouse and they were just out there, you know, just getting reps in and training and stuff. And that's where that's. So that was like a one night thing.
2: I gotcha. Okay, so it wasn't like (laughs) Like an actual like a school school where you went to it and you watched them go through a class and everything. They just invited you to watch what, okay, I gotcha.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's when they let me get in the ring and, and, you know, try some stuff out and that was, that was fun. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: So you you did some music.
0: So can you talk briefly about your music career? What kind of, obviously you said you're a rapper, so that's obvious what kind of Mm -hmm. music. So how did that, develop and does how has that helped you in having the confidence inside a ring to perform in front of people
1: yeah so i i really it's so funny how they're both both things music and wrestling are kind of intertwined together because it's the same type of energy it's the same type of um i guess confidence that you need and the same type of skill set so um when i so when I started doing music, it was just, you know, starting out to do it for fun. And then obviously it wasn't Christian, Christian music that I was doing. Um, but so I started doing music and then I started cleaning up my music, taking like the cuss words and stuff out and all that stuff. And so I made like a, my, one of the first CDs that I did was a clean, a clean, you know, a bunch of love songs uh, just basically, saying who I was, stuff like that, and then um, my R&B singer at the time uh, had a call, basically from the Lord, you know, and he called me and was like, hey, if we're going to be doing music, we need to be doing it for Jesus, and I was like, what? And first of all, I didn't even know he was a believer, you know, um, I was like, well, we're not doing anything like bad, so it's not, you know, but, uh, so anyway, we all met, a bunch of much of my friends that were doing, I was doing music with, we all met at my my parents' house. And uh, I was like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, obviously my parents are believers and pastors. And so uh, I was like, they're saying that we should be doing music for Jesus. And I was like, we're not doing anything wrong. I said, like, it's not bad or anything. And my dad was like, they're absolutely right. You need to be doing this for Jesus. He's like, he gave you the talent, <laughs> you know, he gave you the gift and you should be <laughs> using it to glorify him. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I mean, it made sense to me, you know, and, uh, it was that, that was that night. It was like one of those divine interventions and it was like, God, God was calling me prior to that. I just didn't realize it, you know? And so it was like that, that aha moment, that light bulb moment, you know, and stuff. So, uh, we basically, I rededicated my life that night, uh, in April of 2007 and, uh, started We were I was working on another album and I so I was like, well, there goes that album that we're just going to take those beats and change up the songs. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's what we did. And uh, so anyway, going back to your question about how that helped me is whenever we started doing Christian music, uh, we started doing live performances because I wasn't doing live performances prior to that. Mm -hmm. And really, God opened up those doors for me to use music and start doing youth rallies and, um, uh, church events to, you know, to, to kind of spread the gospel and all that. Oh, yeah. So me being able to be on, he got me on on the stage, put me on a microphone in front of crowds mm-hmm. and, uh, really just gave me, uh, the spirit and the confidence to, to get up there and do that. And we did that for years. I mean, years. And, um, so, you know, who Adrian Peterson is yeah. yeah. Football player for the Vikings.
2: Vikings for yeah. many years. Yeah.
1: He is from my town. Okay. He's, a, he's a little bit older than I am. I didn't know him personally, Um, but whenever he got signed to the Vikings, I was it just happened the way it all lined up. I was able to perform at his very first Adrian Peterson Day here in Palestine. They held it at the football stadium. So there was like over 500 people or so there. Nice. And that was my very first performance that I was, that I ever did was in front of over 500 people. Awesome. And that was, I'm going to tell you, that was an experience too. So it was really cool to be able to do that. And then it kind of led into all the other. So prior to me being in professional wrestling, I've always been in, I've always been comfortable in front of crowds, I've always been able to, to perform, perform, you know, um, being able to, to be on a live microphone. Um, and so it was a very easy transition to go from music, uh, and performance to, uh, pro pro wrestling.
0: So do you still make beats to this day?
1: So I never, I never actually made my own beats. I actually had a producer, several different producers, uh, that made beats for me. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and plug them, uh, punting from uh, with spontaneous productions and he's out of Houston right now, but he used to be from college station, uh, Orlando Williams out of Tyler, Texas. Um, if you're into music and you rap or sing or any, in any, anything, uh, they will help be able to help you out. Look them up there. They've got Facebooks, Instagrams. I always like to plug them cause they've been a huge part of my life and a huge part of my uh, music career. Um, Uh, So yeah, I always like to do that for them. But that's awesome, man.
0: No no worries there. So um, huge pop wrestling podcast needs a new theme song to to open up. So (laughs) just throwing that out there.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, we will. I will have to. I will do my best to see what we can come up with.
0: All right. I mean, I like kind of the Bible club and your, your your theme song kind of ish the type of that's the type of beats I like so we're good.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah very very hard aggressive yes yes, yes I yes. love it
0: I mean you can't you can't help but like bounce to that before yeah so absolutely anyway.
1: it gets me so hyped coming you know right before I come out of that curtain.
0: That's I mean
1: yeah. you gotta get that blood pumping and it's yeah that's exactly what it does.
0: Absolutely that <laughs> does what it does yeah so who do you model your ring style after is there any particular one person or
1: No, I wouldn't say any particular one person. I I usually take Mm -hmm. bits and pieces from several different guys. Um, Bret Hart. Uh, His strikes, uh, his. um, Mm -hmm. Just the way he flows Mm -hmm. from move to move. um, His ring awareness and stuff like that. I really like I really enjoy watching Bret Hart matches. Um, so I, I usually take a little bit from him. Um, I, I use the stinger splash a lot from sting oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and here, you'll like this here recently. I've even started using his, his, uh, I <laughs> was There you go. man. I'll back up into that corner <laughs> and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll channel my inner stinger and hit that stinger splash in the corner on my opponents. And, so that I take a little bit from him. Um D. Malenko,
2: okay.
1: um, I really like D. Malenko's style. Um lo- some of my some of my strikes I think look like the rocks a little bit, but just you know, because you grew up watching these guys, and I used to res- wrestle on my trampoline and just you know mm-hmm. pretend like I was in matches and pretend like I was these guys and do what they did. So I think a lot of my style and A lot of my mannerisms, you know, are derived from guys that I looked up to growing up. All right. Mm Thank you, D. I was going to
2: say, too, your your background in music and especially being a performer where you were a rapper. um, And I think it's amazing, too, that you never performed in front of a live crowd until you finally listened to God. Like you said, God was kind of talking to you before that. And maybe you know, we we feel that tug on our ear sometimes and we just we brush it off because we want to do our thing or what we we'll, well this is our plan, and, you know. But you know that old saying, you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are. So he had a different plan for you, and then you were put into Christian rap, and then you were performing in front of people. So I can imagine um just like your stage presence. Um, your ability to cut a promo, all of that stuff was was fine. You you were probably very comfortable, but how did it feel, you know, and I know you, were, you talked about this, you alluded to this a little bit, but how did it feel the first time you got into, you know, in the Indies or wherever, when you got in front of the crowd, no matter how big or how small, when you actually performed in the ring and you had to go in there and it wasn't just talking anymore, like where well, you're very comfortable, you had to go in there and do some spots, and you had to go in there and hit the ropes, and you had to be in ring shape, and all that stuff. Can you tell us how that felt?
1: So, this is it's kind of it's kind of opposite for me. So, um, honestly, i I feel like I perform better in front of larger crowds, music and in wrestling, um, because I feed off the energy. If the energy is there, I perform so much better um, and it's so much more fun for me um, but I will not lie. I mean, no matter how much experience that I've had in front of crowds, but prior to that, I mean the adrenaline rush is insane, so I was super nervous, super nervous um the very first time that I was um in front of a live crowd which is a big crowd um it was for SWE Fury and it was they were streaming on Fight TV um pay-per-view and so uh Rodney Mack is also one of my trainers from Dog Pound well he was the television champion at that time and in that company and so uh, they had a what So at, at the very first, so they had like three tapings that the same night, right? So the mm-hmm. very first taping that night, we, it was the main event of that show of that taping. It was a three on one against, uh, Rodney Mack and it was like a gauntlet style. So, uh, I was the very last guy that was able to get in the ring. And so anyway, we were waiting outside anyway. So so my first, very first professional wrestling match was at SW Fury on Fight TV for the television championship and a three-on-one against former WWE wrestler Rodney Mack. Wow. And it lasted a whole 20 seconds, but I can still say that. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that accolade to my name. And uh, it was a great start to you know a fun career. And uh, I'm very grateful for those opportunities. Everybody at SWE Fury at that time, Rodney Mac for sure. Um, and it was it was it was a blessing. But man, it was so nerve wracking. And I can look back on that night, and it was a blur. You know, the adrenaline was top notch. It was insane. And you know, I didn't have to do much, but being in in that ring, it's different. Like you could be on the outside you can be walking down the ramp coming out, you know, but yep. as soon as you get in that ring and you stand up in the middle of that ring and you're looking across the ring from Rodney Mac, it's like, and then there's like three, 400 people there. I'm like, it wasn't, it was <laughs> nerve wracking, <laughs> nerve wracking, but so much fun.
0: Oh, man. So you talk about your rapper. Um, I had an experience I was with a youth pastor up in Michigan years ago before we ended up coming down here to do foster care. Now I came across a young man in our youth, co- in our youth that now he's a big, big time um, Christian rapper by the name of NF. Do you know who that is?
1: Yes. He's like one of my faves.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, he uh, performed his first concert was at our, at our youth rally that we did up in, wow. in Harrison, Michigan. So shout out to Nate Failure at NF. Great kid. I it's not a kid no more but he's a good kid back
1: then so He is so talented man. Yeah, uh, yeah. first time I I saw like he had I guess it was an ad on YouTube and it just, I just happened to come across it and uh I clicked on it. Instant fan um yeah. you know and then hit like the first uh three albums that he put out that I listened to with the way that he connected all of them together was oh, that's that was unheard that's unheard of. He's very talented and very skilled and um, definitely deserves to be where he's at right now.
0: Yeah, he really is. So I had a pleasure. That pretty cool. So the Apostle Luke 9 is your name. How'd you come up with the, the Apostle part of Luke 9 or the whole ring in ring name? What happened there?
1: Well, um, I actually didn't come up with it. So um, back in 2014, I took like a year off from music and um i used to go by the name 3j and that was something that you know i i grew up uh all the kids grew, you know grew up calling me that when i started getting getting into music and stuff and so uh but I, I i was taking a break from music and i was really seeking the lord at that time and uh the lord was like i want to change i'm going to change your name you know and i read through you know i read uh you know through the gospels and he changed Saul's name. He changed Abram's name. He, he, he's in the name changing business basically.
2: There
1: you go. And, uh, I was reading all that and I was like, okay, all right. And I felt like I was, I felt like I was in a, there was a shift, there was a shift happening in, in, in my life personally and right. maybe, maybe career wise, musically and stuff too. And so, um, but I, I was really sticking the Lord and the Lord was like, I'm going to change your name. And I was like, well, that's scary because nobody will know a new name. You know, they all would know me by this. And so it was kind of nerve wracking, but, uh, anyway, so I was reading in, uh, Luke chapter nine and, uh, it talks about, he gave the power and authority to his, uh, his, uh, his apostles to heal the sick and cast out demons and all that. And you go a little bit further down in the the verse like 23 or so. And it takes, it says you take up your cross daily and follow after him. And at that point in time, I really was needing that scripture about, you know, taking up my cross daily and following after him. Cause it's like, sometimes you kind of get in the the basic routine of, you know, just everyday life and you Mm -hmm. forget sometimes it's a daily, it's a daily battle. Um, it's a daily walk, um, and so when he says, "Oh, it says work out your salvation daily," you know, so like you know, do the best you can and follow after Him, and and have communion with Jesus and stuff like that. So um, anyway, so I was reading that, and I was like, "Man," I said, "Well," and I've always felt like I had like a healing ministry, and I always wanted to, like I just felt called to that. So I, I read that, and I was like, "Oh, okay," I said, "Well, that makes sense," you know, <laughs> and uh, I felt like the Lord was just like, "That's your name," and I was like. What Luke? He's like, yeah, like Luke. Luke is your name, and uh, I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, what is just Luke, or what well, do I need a last name? You know, what it, you know. And he's like, Chapter Nine, Luke Nine, and I was like, huh? He just clicked, and it was like, oh, that's really cool. And uh, so I ran with it, and uh, so anyway, I I went by, you know, Luke Nine and, and, and music from then on out. And then whenever I was um, I got into professional wrestling, I was talking to Aaron, Aaron Presley, and he was like, we need to come up with, you know, with a with a gimmick and, you know, what you're going to do and stuff like that. And I said, I already got one. And he was like, oh, yeah? Well, what is it? And I said, well, y'all have always told me to be myself, but amp it up, you know, a hundred times. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is who I am. I am the apostle Luke 9. And And I basically told him, you know, the story, and he's like, "I love it, you know, let's let's do that." And uh, so he was on board from from day one, and it was that's that's just how that came about.
0: That's awesome, man,
1: Nikki D.
2: So the Apostle Luke Nine. Now you work other um, organizations as well, right? Not just CWF, right? So are you the Apostle? Luke 9 and those other companies as well, or do you go by a different name?
1: Nope. I'm I've always been the apostle Luke 9 in those in those um promotions. And what's so great about them is so Dog Pound 360, uh Heart of Texas, TSW, um everybody that is in charge of those promotions has always been very supportive of me, uh, the character, the gimmick. And they love it. And they is just very supportive. And so that that's at first it was nerve wracking because I was like, is this gonna be accepted? Um, mm-hmm. is this gonna be like a hindrance to my career? Um, but it was never, it never and I asked Aaron that one time. I was like, is this gonna hinder me from getting, you know, where I wanna be? And he was like, No, if we do it right, we do it the right way, it's you know, it's not gonna be a hindrance. Uh, Rodney Mack was always uh, was a huge supporter uh, of it. He he loved it. Um, and, um, uh, you know, everybody, everybody that I've ever went to, they were like, hey, it's great. You know, we we'll, we'll, we can we can work with it. Um, I'm always usually a face. Um, I'd, uh, I've only worked heel one time and I I didn't really like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But in in my defense, it was because I'd never done it before. And I really didn't know what to do as a heel with, you know, with this gimmick and who I am and stuff. So it was, it was, it was a little struggle there, but, um, but for the most part, I've always been a a face no matter where I went. So
0: So the other organized to piggyback off that. So how hard is it to transition from wrestling at CWF to, a secular promotion with all the fan or are the fan, I guess, I guess my question is are the fans the same at both, both arenas? Obviously the cussing is not going to be at the CWF event. I wouldn't think. Right.
1: Right. Well, go ahead.
0: No, how, how do you transition? How does that? Yeah. I I guess to me, that would be like, is it difficult?
1: It's not, it's not really because um, most of the promotion, all the promotions that I've named have always been family friendly. Okay. Um, And so they do make an effort to keep it family friendly, uh, which I respect highly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's not going to, it's not a Christian atmosphere, um, but at the same time, it's family friendly. So it, that transition is super easy. Um, So I, but I will, to answer your question, uh, the guy, the boys in the back, the guys, the, the workers, the, the promoters, um, I've never, never had an issue with, any of them. Um, they've always been supportive of me because, you know, I feel like I'm a likable person. Um, but, you know, I, we, I usually get along with pretty much anybody that I've, you know, are become close with. And so, uh, yeah, we may not. Obviously, we're not going to not everybody's going to believe the same way or even agree right. on certain things. But I always try to find the middle ground and the common ground. And I build on that. And so everybody knows that I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. They respect it. Um, and so, but yeah, so, but, but, but to answer your question, the fans, the fan base at all these different promotions has been probably the most difficult to connect with. It, it was so easy at CWF to connect with the, those fans because they knew what they were expecting. They knew what they were doing, Right. but the other shows, um, yeah. Yeah. There are some believers at these shows, but it's new to them. Right. As far as I'm as far as I know, I'm the. Well, with, with the exception of Fitz and Johnny, they they've kind of they branched out to do other promotions, too. But um, as far as like my character, you know, and my gimmick, I guess I'm the one of the very first ones to do it, I guess, on that. Okay that level right um as far as as far as like being in your face with it i guess you know um but so connecting with the crowd and the fans has been a little difficult at those other promotions but for the most part it's it's been okay um so uh when when your when your opponent is a cannibal clown uh or you know stuff stuff like that obviously he's supposed to be a heel but the crowd pops for, for some of the, those guys, guys like that. And so that, that, so when, when I am supposed to be a babyface and they're not really behind me and because they, they like this other, uh, the other opponent, I mean, that makes it a little difficult sometimes, but you know, you just go out there and do the best you can. But I think the fan base has probably been the, the hardest transition from CWF to the other promotions.
0: So you mentioned cannibal, a cannibal clown. That must be must be talking about Stewie the clown. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about Stewie the clown. Your experiences with Stewie the clown.
1: I love Stewie, man. Stewie <laughs> is, oh man, he. Uh, I've trained. I trained with him for uh, the very like for a long time actually, and we've had several matches together at Dog Pound uh, at 360, um, um, mainly at Dog Pound though, but he's a, he's a lot of fun, man. He's uh he's so laid back. Um, but he's so, he's so much fun to be, to be around. And, and he's just, he's a character. Like I just put it that way. But what I like most about Stewie is that he don't have to say a word. He just walks out and he gets a huge reaction, no matter where he goes. And so that's, that's probably one of the most uh most fun things about uh about Stewie is like just being able to see him come out and get that reaction and not have to do nothing. That's that's just impressive.
0: Now is he still wrestling?
1: Yeah, he's still wrestling. i have yep. to look him
0: up. Maybe I have to have you and him on the show again.
1: Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. So you had experience with Charlie Haas too? I see. I if I
0: remember. I
1: yes. Yes. Oh. Uh, oh. So there was uh, at Dog Pound at one show his uh his boys actually wrestled on that show his sons um well they also came out later on in the show and uh and got involved in my match with stewie and they were dressed up as cat clowns as well and uh but yeah uh so oh, wow. charlie man charlie's uh charlie's a cool dude man he's uh he's very intense and very strong. So we were, we were kind of going over something in the ring one time at that sh- for that show. And he was like, yeah, you know, you can do this. And he grabbed me and he, 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 the way he grabbed me, I was, I'm, I'm every bit of 200 pounds, but Charlie Haas, when he grabs you it I felt like light as a feather. Cause he, the boy, the dude can manhandle me. Like he's so strong. Uh, but he's he is also really fun to be around. Uh, really great guy, super nice. Um, you know, um, tons of knowledge too. I I love listening to him talk, uh, and give advice and stuff like that. And he's very very cool to be around.
0: So, would you say that it's important? I know Nikki D. He's a he did some wrestling, so he's shared his story about that. Um, would you say that? The listening to the vets in the back, even like the big Fitzes and the the Guardian and uh, and Rob Vaughn have all experience that they can share with younger guys or new new kids in the, or new guys in the ring. Is it important? How important is it for you to listen to those vets like Charlie Haas even or Rodney Mack?
1: It's very important um, because when I got in, when I started training, I got the old school way of being trained. Um, The old school uh, values and um, I really appreciate being able to be trained that way um, because now I can what all the stuff that I've that I've learned and retained, I can pass it on, Um, you know, so there's there's just a lot of times like, oh, man, you know, we've had we've had guys come through CWF like Lodi and Gunner. And, uh, um who else have I seen there? Um, them two, uh, mainly, but, um, but just being able to, to, to hear, oh, uh, Adam Asher, the apocalypse. I I really, uh, oh my gosh, he's, he's got a ton of knowledge too, man. Um, but, but being able to listen to them and like how they can put stuff together and make it make sense. And so <laughs> I got to tell them I, I may get in trouble for this, but this is, this is too funny. I love, this is what I love about Adam. I'll, I'll be sitting there at the back. Right. And I'll be, and I, I'm usually, I like to sit close, even if I'm not talking to any of them, I'm just like, I like sitting close. Cause they'll watch matches and they'll give feedback in which I, you know, I respect highly because they don't have to do that.
2: right,
1: But, uh, I'll be sitting, I'll be watching matches and uh, he'll be like, oh, yeah, that, that's good. Oh, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he'll be kind of talking to himself, talking to everybody around him, you know, kind of, you know, critiquing the match as it go, as it happens. <laughs> one, time, one time he was like, oh, I, that didn't make no sense. I don't know why you did that. And it, I laughed so hard because I was like this, the honesty. And I'm like. Oh, I'm gonna make sure I never do that in my match, you know. <laughs> and it wasn't even nothing like nothing big. It was like the little things, just little something very little. But he picks up on that kind of stuff, and so <laughs> I I pay attention and I listen and I apply. And so whenever I hear, you know, guys like Adam say stuff like that, I I, I remember it. Awesome, yeah. so it's it's funny.
2: Nicky D, man, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, sorry, technical difficulties. So I love you said the old school way you were trained in the old school way. And I love that um, because I I'm sure I'm much older than you, but that's where I learned. And it it teaches you um, respect for the business, um, you know, and it's obviously in the CWF, you have this amazing, you know, just there's no show like it where you can go on and you put on a magnificent show, but then you share testimony and you share the gospel afterwards. And that none of the shows I ever was on before did that. Um, But the old school way of thinking as far as you you wanna make it believable and, and you wanna be convincing. And when you are the character, like you're Luke nine, you're the apostle, you are that character and you want the fans to believe that. And all of that's old school too, it, it just, it boils down to that, that training. So I love that you said that and you respect the old guys. Cause I know some of the guys um, that, that not many, but there was a few who would like, ah, I don't want to listen to that person. They're like old timer. They think everything's got to be that way, but they're the ones who, who pave the way, you know? Mm-hmm. So you should listen and you'll probably learn some things. So I love that you said that. Um, Cause you can take all of that, and you're, I, I imagine you're younger than me. You're how old?
1: I'm 36.
2: Okay, yeah. So, yeah, you're younger than me. By a little bit, but you are. How old are you? <laughs> 44.
1: I, w- I would have <laughs> not have guessed that.
2: Nope. Yeah, 44. Because when you were talking about the Attitude Era, and then you were talking about um the Monday Night Wars, I was like, man, I thought he was much younger than me. But you're talking about some of the time that, uh, you know, I remember watching them and everything, but anyhow just to take and mend that together and like you said you have something to pass on to you know to the younger you know people that are coming up and, and the people that you that'll be understudies to you or that are going to look to you um for advice so and then i know i'm um, topic i apologize um but this is something before my connection here got all fritzy huge pop touched on this earlier and i wanted to ask you about this because you were talking about how it's hard to reach the fans Uh at some of the other shows and, and everybody's kind of behind, uh, you know, in in a sense they're separated. Uh And one thing I noticed at the CWF that at first I thought just because I'm so used to the fans being separated, um, that was, that was different, but then it was really cool was right. As you get by the, like they're allowed to come right up and hug the wrestlers and give them high fives and stuff like that. So, as, as a worker um, and obviously as a baby face, which do you like more? Do you, do you like that interaction where they can come right up? Or do you like when they're kind of, you know, you go up to them and they're behind kind of like the rope or the barricade or whatever it is that's used?
1: So I honestly prefer the way CWF does it. Um, because there are a lot of, you know, the, there are some adults that, that will, that will come and like want to hug you or high five you or whatever, but mainly it's the kids. The kids mm-hmm. want that interaction. They want that skin to skin, you know, high five. They want, you know, they want, they want that hug. Um CWF is is also I have to say different because it's a little bit more safer. So they know what they're what they're coming into, I guess what you know, best way to say it. Um the other promotions, you know, you have that you kind of have to have that separation, but I feel like with that separation comes a hesitation from the fans and from the kids. Like, yeah, some kids will like hold out their hand over the barricade and they'll want, you know, but I feel like that's so impersonal. Um, and when, when I, and and I, and I, and I correlate that to music uh, at the same time, I like small intimate venues to where it it can only hold no more than 250 people. But these 1000, you know, 10,000 sta- uh, person people stadiums, it's so impersonal. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't connect. And when I say connect, I don't mean actually physically touch the people, but it's like there's a connection there when it's a smaller venue. And I love I just absolutely love those smaller venues because it I feel like the people are getting what they paid for. And they're getting more of an experience in that way, um, mm-hmm. and I think uh, you know they they just have a, a a better time. So yeah, I prefer the this way CWF does it because when we come out, so Bible Club obviously before I you know when they when they first got started, I wasn't even a part of CWF, uh, mm-hmm. but I was watching CWF, and when. Bible club came out and they just got this huge reaction. Every time they come out, I was like, Oh man, that'd be, that would be fun to join that, you know, that group. And so, yeah. um, but they just, they come out, they get this huge reaction. Uh, they're just loved by all the fans and it's like they're, they bum rush you and which is fine. I, I don't have no issue with that. Cause we're just, we're not doing anything that's going to hurt anybody. We're just about coming out, you know, in the entrance. So, yep. but the kids, man, they really latch on to us as, uh, as characters, and they 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 really latch on. And so, um, uh, we you know the the regulars that come to CWF, the the kids especially, you you build a a, a relationship with with the fans, and mm-hmm. it's like they, you know, that sus- uh, that that um that sus- suspense of uh, disbelief. Or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. They can they turn that off for an hour and a half. And you're their superhero. You know. And then after the show. You're their best friend. Like oh my gosh y'all did so great. You know. That element is unheard of. In other places really. Um, mm-hmm. But. And I do miss. Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy kayfabe. I do like keeping kayfabe. Um, but. Yeah. with what we do at the cwf it's it's kind of difficult to really keep kayfabe you know right. um all the time but that's okay and i because of t- it's a ministry and we do what we do it's that's that's perfectly fine and the fans understand that i believe you know mm-hmm.
0: i need to get to a cwf event because um i went to my first indie show back in 2022 i've never been to an indie show i went to pensacola for the road to wrestlemania and that was just Glitz and glamour and pyros. And, you know, I had great seats, third row. I got to see uh Roman Reigns. So, do you, first of all, do you acknowledge the tribal chief? I do. There you go. Yes. Anyways, so I went to this, it's XIW Extreme Impact Wrestling, Adrian Whisper, Jackson Slade, Damian Wayne, or some of the guys that are in that business. And it was fun. It was like you said, an hour and a half, two hours of letting loose of all the frustrations you had up through the whole week, you know, and be someone that you're not really are. But so I like how so I need to get to a CWF to see how that would compare to that. So, um, but my question is, although, I mean, Nikki D says I'm a sting fan, I'm going to catch heat on this as well. I'm also a CM Punk fan.
2: Mm.
0: I don't care what you say. The Scrum, he got screwed at the Scrum. He, I mean, you're going to let MJF run his mouth, but you can't let CM Punk run his mouth. You got punks like Jungle Boy making stupid remarks to CM Punk. CM Punk's going to say what he says, why why he's going to say it. He's going to mean it, and he don't care. So there was a, there was a photo I seen <laughs> of you in the CM Punk pose from last week in the middle of the ring with your speak with your in Indian style. So I I guess my question is, are you a CM Punk fan and why?
1: I am a huge CM Punk fan. Um so <laughs> you know let me let me preface this. So obviously personally we don't see eye to eye in beliefs. Okay? Right. You know, obviously. Um but man he is probably in one of probably my top 5 um and here's why because i got the cm punk dvd when it came out years ago okay and i watched that thing here's what i respect the most about cm punk is that he wanted to learn every single aspect of the business he wanted to know how to do tv he wanted to know how to edit he wanted to know how to put it together he wa- he wanted to know everything from the top to the bottom and he learned it and mm-hmm. he sought out whoever he needed to to learn it and with that comes a lot of knowledge okay And with that knowledge comes a lot of power. So the things that he was doing. Oh, and my parents hated the straight edge society, by the way, because, (laughs) hey, listen, I and I didn't agree with a lot of stuff that he was doing because he was mimicking a lot of televangelists and stuff. But that's where he got that. He got that. Um the ideas from first straight edge society watching Benny Hinn and stuff. And so uh, that was in the DVD too. But so anyway, even though I don't agree with all of that and he, you know, people got to be real careful when they're doing stuff like that to, to not blaspheme the whole, the Holy spirit and blaspheme God, stuff like that. Um, So, but here's the thing. I can separate the, the person Phil Brooks from the professional wrestler CM Punk. So I can do that. Not everybody can do that. So, Yes, like I can separate the two but so Phil Brooks aside CM Punk, okay? The professional wrestler. Well, that's what I respected him about the most is that he would he wanted to know everything about the business and and learn it the right way and do it the right way so he could know all of it. Um but I think that also helped him in the ring. It helped him, you know, um time out his matches on TV um what he could and couldn't do where the camera was where the roman cams were um how how they edit and how they pan back and forth so it's little things like that that i think helped him make him the superstar that he is um no matter what anybody says about his attitude or he thinks he's better or uh, all that aside he is a great professional wrestler he is a great performer and he knows what he's doing um, he's great on the microphone, the pipe bomb, the very first Indian style that I remember seeing on the stage. And he said all that stuff about Vince McMahon and WWE and John Cena. That was probably, that was breaking the fourth wall. As he said in that promo mm-hmm. was, I love bringing realism into professional wrestling. So those were like legitimate feelings that he had and everybody knew it. hmm and then when they cut him off, like it got, it got real. So, but I like that realism. So, and that's what I like about CM Punk. Um, but he could put on some matches, uh, some bangers and he could, he could work with anybody, you know, anybody he could work with them. Um, but, um, but going back to far as like stuff like that recently, um, you know, Going back to the, the younger guys uh in the locker room, they don't want to respect their elders or respect the vets. CM Punk is a veteran. Yep. Dude, all the knowledge that he has, he knows what he's doing. I'm sorry. If CM Punk was to come up to me and be like, blase, 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 that's not gonna work. You need to do this. Guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna probably gonna listen to him mm-hmm. because what he has done in this business has worked. And he came from nothing but a backyard wrestler training himself. And that's what, so that, and that's where I think I related to CM Punk and that's why I like him so much. He was self-taught. Um, and so like music, I had to teach, nobody wanted to teach me how to record and what to buy and how to edit and how to mix and you know, how to punch in and how to, I I was self-taught and, um, had it not been for, guys like, you know, Gundacker and Marcus Rose and Aaron Presley and Britt McKenzie, I, I or Rodney Mack, I would probably had been self-taught to wrestle, you know, because I was going to wrestle. I was going to wrestle no matter what. And so, but if it had not been for them, I was going to have to just figure it out, I guess, you know, and just wait. But, yeah. um but I knew I could do it because CM Punk did it, you know, yeah. the, the Hardys did it. Yeah. Uh, Edge and Christian did it. So yeah. it's like, you know, you know, and look what look where they where they got to. But anyway, to answer your question, like that's why I'm a huge CM Punk fan. And when I knew that when I found out he was coming back after seven a seven year hiatus, uh, into AEW, I was there ready. And the pop that the huge pop that he got was was just, and I was happy for him. You know, don't even know the guy personally, but I was. You, you can you imagine? you know loving something so much and doing it for so long and then feel like you're getting screwed and getting hurt and getting you know feel like you just couldn't do it anymore and then to be gone for 7 years and to be able to come back you know it was a, it, it's the same it's the same feeling that I had for Edge when he came back after being hurt um uh Page even uh, you know when somebody is hurt and you you're told that you can't do this anymore something that you love doing like i feel for them yep. and then like so seeing him be able to come back was goosebumps like just yep. exciting and so i was really happy for him um but yeah so yeah i am a huge CM Punk fan
0: i could so, tell you, you have the you have the uh the indian style perfect yeah i mean you were just oh like, thank
1: you so yeah oh that was that and that was not even planned that was uh-huh. not even planned uh, I knew that I was going to give a testimony after my match and, uh, it almost didn't happen <laughs> because something happened right prior after our match prior to me doing that, that they thought I got injured. They thought that, you know, w- one of the guys landed on my head and they, they came in and like uh, people came in the ring and Phil, Phil Bishop came in. He's like, Oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? He goes, that looks so nasty. That looks so bad. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. And uh, so they were they were wanting to carry me to the back but I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, so they're, uh, I've got to give the testimony or whatever. And so they're like, oh, OK, OK, you know, if you're good to do it, then then go ahead. So anyway, they handed me the mic and I was standing there. And I've always wanted to do that, always wanted. And it was the perfect moment. And it was just like, now you can do it. And I just I remember standing standing in the middle of the ring. And I just crossed my legs and I fell down just like he did. And I was like, oh, this feels so good. Like <laughs> to be able to like give that ode to CM Punk, you know, and be able to do that. And it just really tied into also what I was saying. Um, the Lord did all that, like the Lord orchestrated that whole thing. You know, I didn't had I didn't know I did not know what I was gonna say. He gave me the words as as uh as he was giving them to me and all that tied in together. And it was, I'm so glad I had that picture because I will forever remember that moment because I was able to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, oh. absolutely. Nikki, you got anything?
2: That I was just going to say, um, I love the fact that you brought that up too, that AEW right now has a lot of younger people. Um, They have young talent, young talent that has, um, like you said, they don't want to listen to the veteran. And they have their own idea. I'm not trying to bash on the company, but it is just a a lot of people kind of running and doing their own thing. And he came into the company, huge. I was super happy for him. He's their first like big draw, like big gate, the guy that they, and I love the talent. I was a stupid, huge Chris Jericho fan when I was coming up. Like I love, I've all the respect in the world for him. Um, But I'm just saying like CM Punk was my guy. Who, who kind of put them on the map and everything for, you know, he's just saying, Hey, you know, giving him advice and, and, and all the blowback that he's getting from the, from the, the politics and everything there in the locker rooms. And, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame because it's just, he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy was coming up back when I was doing it, he's still doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah so yeah i like that you brought that up it's just and yeah you won't get any nothing negative from me about cm punk i respect Absolutely.
0: that guy yeah Absolutely. so now it's cwf time um i know we talked a little bit about cwf time so i'm going to play this i am the way the, way, the truth
1: Bible Club Eternal
2: Life He is the way and he's Jesus Christ Nobody comes to the Father except through me He is the way and he's Jesus
0: You are the newest member of the Bible Club You said that you've always wanted to be the member of the Bible Club You thought that it was cool to be the member of the Bible Club Even in the stand, you were like, man I want to be a member of that Bible Club so walk us through that day that you finally found out that you were gonna be the newest member of the Bible Club. I believe it wasn't it, at their big uh tag team event, correct?
1: Yeah. The the uh I forgot uh the the exact name of it, but it was the uh, the Craig Memorial Yes um tag team tournament thing. Um so months when I so I've been with CWF, I guess two years now maybe a year and a half somewhere around there can't remember exactly but um but yeah so i know like i think maybe eight ten months ago it's been a while back but i was i was at a training one night on a monday night and uh we were we were just kind of just hanging out and johnny came up to me and he's like hey man when are you gonna join the bible club okay <laughs> you set you name the day and time and i will i'll be there i i, I would love to join the bible club and he's like oh yeah we'll, we'll talk about it we'll think about it you know and he just left it at i like, left it at that and i was like don't tease me like that like you know um but yeah i've always been a fan um and just i love the the play of the the nwo and the bullet club i love the those two of my favorite factions i guess you know Aside from DX, too, like it was just the the combination of both of them. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. And to incorporate it as a, a Christian themed faction, you, I was sold. And so uh, I was like, I was, I was that was that was exciting. So and when he said that, I was like, don't tease me. Like, don't do, don't do that. You know, And I was still young to the company and still fairly new. So I knew I knew that wasn't going to happen like anytime soon. But uh, it was still in the back of my mind. And, uh, so, uh, but anyway, leading up to that, I didn't actually find out until I got to the venue. Oh. Um, and so, and honestly, they were like, so Rob came to me and he's like, Hey, we want you to, you know, come out and be like the Bible club's biggest fan, you know, cheer them on, you know, this, that and the other. Cause you know, da da da." And I was like, Oh yeah, I can do that. That's cool. Cause I didn't, I didn't have a match or anything that night. I was just there to support um and help out if if I could so that I was like yeah if y'all want me to do anything just let me know so that's what they they had me do that so I sat on the front row and uh was was cheering for them throughout the whole tournament and then they were like hey so you know at the end you know grab you can grab the, the the trophy and get in the ring and celebrate with them I was like all right cool you know done deal so we we did all that and uh next thing I know Fitz has got a mic and starts talking, and. I didn't know I was joining that night. Like, it was a huge surprise. Uh, Johnny, and I, so John, I had Johnny's shirt on. He had took it off before his match. So I had it on. I was, you know, he's like, well, first of all, I'm going to need my shirt back. And I was like, oh, dang, you know, take the shirt off. And he's like, yeah, I can take my shirt back so I can give you yours. And I said, wait, what? And I was like, for real? And they were like, welcome to the Bible. I said, oh, my God, that was. That was awesome. A very, very much welcome (laughs) surprise. That was cool. That is cool.
0: Nice. One thing I love about the um, CWF, and um, as we close, um, can you talk to the fans, talk to us? I'll be honest with you, I could spoke up off camera. I think when I ask this question, I think I'm asking for the fans, but it's really, I'm asking for myself. I'd love to hear your testimony, um, if you would share. And um, in closing, share your testimony. Tell people where they can find you. What your goal, what your goals are. Tie that all in so we can close to, to wrap up the night. Mickey, you got anything else?
2: I want to hear this testimony. All
1: right, there you go. <laughs> um, on. You're on. I don't want to take up too much time, but I will hit all the high points. So, um, I was raised in a Christian home. Both of my parents are believers. They have been since. Uh, since they're well my mom's always been a believer my my dad had my they were saved young but anyway they had you know um trials and tribulations you know or whatever but uh, growing up uh in that household um i was i was always in church we were always in church i always went to church um uh we'd always they'd I always get taken taken to bible studies they have bible studies with other. Other couples, other people, we were always at somebody's house having Bible study. Uh, They would we would go, you know, to hospitals to pray for people. It was just that's just what they did. And so I was always tagged along. Um, So we were going to this church um, called Church on the Rock and Pastor Ralph and Annie. They're actually missionaries in Thailand uh, right now. Um, and so I was, we were going to that church and I was going to the children's church at that time. And anyway, I remember, I remember watching a video, uh, about salvation and I was sitting there and I think I was, I think I was the only kid paying attention, honestly, but I remember watching that video and I was like, man, I, I need a savior. You know, uh, I was, uh, I was about nine years old and I was like, man, I need a savior, you know? And I was like, oh man. So I, I remember, Giving my life to to Jesus that day. Um, and I'm g- uh, getting in the car and telling my parents, you know, I got saved and my dad was like, are you sure you know what you did? You know, do you understand what this means? And, you know, he asked me all the questions to assure that I fully understood what had happened. And so, uh, you know, but anyway, I, I was saved at nine. Um, fast forward, uh, 15 or 14, 15. Um, man, I just, I, was a freshman in high school and I started hanging out with the wrong crowd and got with the wrong friends and, uh, started being influenced by hip hop culture. Um, I always loved rap music. I listened to, uh, uh, DC talk, you know, growing up on a cassette tape, Um uh, forget last was the cassette, but, um, but anyway, so I, I was, I was just drawn away from God through from, uh, to hip hop culture, uh, started, and I started listening to secular music and got introduced to that. And, um, you know, I, cha- it was just, I hadn't, so there's the thing. I didn't have an identity in Christ. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with getting saved young because obviously that training and all that stuff, like prepared me for adulthood as a, as a believer, uh, train up, the train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they shall not depart from it. And that's exactly what happened to me. But I, I did. I did have that prodigal son time where I was in the pig pen. And so I, you know, at that time, I, was, you know, started, you know, drinking. And then uh, I, when I graduated, I was started smoking weed and uh, doing, you know, other stuff. And I was uh, having sex outside of marriage um, and stuff like that. And I'm very I stop me if I'm getting too raw, because I, I, you know, I'm very very forward with 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 all that um because I feel like it, it's needed now Every, the the world and the enemy is so in our in our faces with all this sin and all this other stuff so like coming telling sharing my testimony and t- tell where I come from I'm very open about it but mm-hmm. uh, so but yeah uh all that uh, all that all that stuff was going on and I didn't have an identity in Christ and um And so I was trying to find my identity in other things. And uh, so anyway, from from the time I was about 15 to right before I turned 21, I was just in sin and um, living a lifestyle of sin, not having no conviction of it. And even though I believed I was saved at nine, I didn't have a like a relationship with Jesus. I I wasn't pursuing Jesus. And so but I didn't have, you know. For me to say that i didn't so that's that's tough for me to say but i honestly didn't have conviction from the holy spirit of what i was doing i was living a life of sin i didn't have conviction and that's kind of and that's scary to me um Mm -hmm. because now like obviously when when i when i sin or when i fall or whatever like i had that conviction and so i'm like get up real quick repent turn from it and continue on with my walk and with my relationship with jesus but back then I didn't have that conviction. And so that was scary for me, but, uh, looking back, but, uh, but anyway, so I was in the, in, you know, just in sin. And I remember I was, uh, when I was, I had just graduated, I was 18. I got pulled over in this bad part of town. Uh, and I was arrested for possession of marijuana. Um, at that time I was, trying to make a business out of it at the same time. So, but thank God, like I, I ain't gonna lie to you. So I was, I was drinking that night. I had money on me. I had product on me. I had baggies on me. Um, so they could have, they could have put me in jail and charged me with a whole lot more than what they did. And thank God that they didn't. They only charged me with a class B misdemeanor for possession of under 2 ounces. Um that was a god thing in and itself. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um and uh but I, you know, it it wasn't all mine. I had some other people with me. So, but I did um uh, anyway, I did do the time or whatever, but uh but I remember going to jail that night and I was just in this holding cell with 15 other people, but I was so alone and I just felt lonely. And I was like laying there looking at the ceiling and I was like, what am I going to do? You know? And, um, that was the first time that I audibly heard God speak to me. And first thing I heard was look around. And I looked around to say, who said that? (laughs) And I was like, you know, looking around. And the next thing he said is, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, you're going to end up here or dead. And I was like, oh, God, you know, and I knew immediately knew that that was God talking to me. And so that, you know, that night in that jail cell, I was like, God, you know, if you can just protect me and get me out of this mess. Like I'll do whatever, I'll do whatever you need me to, um, so that night, like I was you know i didn't i felt i believe that I was delivered of drugs and alcohol um now, the sexual promiscuity uh didn't come till much late till till much later, um but at the same time. Um, I knew that something had changed. There was a shift that happened in me and I couldn't explain that to anybody. Um, and so, but he, I knew immediately I couldn't hang out with the same people that I was hanging out with going to the same places, doing the same things. And so for that, for the, so there was an instant change, instant heart change that night. Um, but it did take a little while to manifest in in the physical. Um, and so, but then I started over the next year and a half. Um, I was, that's what, that, that's what I said to earlier in the, in the podcast that where I started cleaning up my music, you know, that's when I felt like God was from that moment on, when I got arrested was when God was really starting to change me and I didn't realize it, you know, and he was doing all that. I didn't, I didn't have, I couldn't do that on my own. And so, um. But then it was that night that, in the, you know, in my, in my kitchen and when my dad was, was basically ministering to me and my friends is what I really was like, God, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and I rededicated my life to him. And then we start, and then we went on this uh, journey uh, of, of ministry and music and, and all that other. And so it's been, it's been a wild ride. And, um, you know, I thank God every day that I'm, that I'm, that I'm here, that I'm blessed, that I'm healthy, um, now I have three little boys, nine, eight, and seven that, you know, they watch me wrestle. They listen to my music. Um, you know, they, you know, and, and so I have them to impart all this wisdom to, and it's so, it's so fun, you know, cause they ask me some wild questions. Um, and so I get to share that with them and they ask me some tough questions that I, that I'm honest with them about, you know, they know that I've been arrested. They know I've, you know, done done all this kind of crazy stuff before. So I'm very open with them about that. Cause I don't want them going down the same path. And one of the main things that I didn't have that I really want to impart to my kids is that their identity in Christ. And so I guess that's where I'm going with this right now. Is you know, learn from my testimony. If you do not know who you are in Christ, and you don't have your identity in Christ, and it's your identity and your your being is not centered in christ you need to figure it out and you need to pray you need to fall on your knees and you need to ask god like hey show me who i am in you show me what you want me to do you know you know man plans his way but the lord directs his steps you know you could have this great vision you could have this great plan for your life but unless you have jesus you're not gonna have those steps and you know fortunately i look back at my life and God had a plan and he he orchestrated all kinds of crazy stuff to get me to where I'm at far as, you know, music and ministry and wrestling and my and I'm a barber by trade and that I own my own business and, and I have a barber shop and I cut hair and all that was orchestrated by God. Like it, it was only God. And I I can't take any of the credit for that. Like, uh, but let me tell you this, the Lord will put the desires your desires in your heart. So he has a plan for you and he he'll have, he'll put those desires in your heart. But until you follow him and do it, do it the like he wants you to do it. That's when he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll put the desires in there and then give you the desires of your heart. And so if that, if, if I hope that makes sense, but, um, but yeah, so he gave me the desire to make music and wrestle and do ministry and you know have a, my own business. And I had no idea how all that was gonna happen. No idea whatsoever. But the Lord directed my steps and he orchestrated all of that. But it was not until I dedicated my life and I started following Jesus that is when He made all of that come to fruition.
0: Thank you for that. Wow, that's crazy. That's
2: yeah, thank wow. you. That's amazing testimony. It makes me think of uh just this past Sunday, Sunday school, um, God, your you can help so many people just from your testimony and your experiences and, and the life that you had before and the life that you have now. And one thing that um we talked about this past Sunday was God has an interesting way, an interesting formula. He actually uses He uses redeemed sinners to save lost sinners. Amen. And and as a redeemed sinner, you can actually, because there's somebody out there who's going through what you're going through, what you went through. Mm -hmm. And they might think there's no way, there's no way I can never, my life can never turn around. Just look where I'm at or look where, you know, look at this. And, you know, your testimony can actually do this that's awesome thank you for sharing that thank
0: you hearing your testimony i uh i think of my son that's laying in a hospital bed i just pray that he thinks and he looks and says what the hell what am i doing and that's my prayer for him. I pray that God is in that room. And I know God's in that room. I know he's even though he's a maybe, even though my son maybe go, <laughs> go around right, down the straight path. I know God's in that room. I've always been taught that God is out is out around us everywhere. But I, my prayer is that he's laying in that bed alone. I mean, he is alone. I mean, you're he has him and his wife, and it's he's in a burn unit. It's probably scared to death.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm sure he is. He might, he might act like he's not, but I'm sure he is. And I just pray that God would say, Hey, I'm here. I hope my prayers that he sees him. Hey, and that's a dad. That's all
1: I can do. What, what is your son's name? Travis. Travis. Yes. Okay. Can we just take a moment to pray for him right now? Hmm. Father, I just lift up Travis to you, father. Father, I, I just pray that the Holy Spirit invades that hospital room right now. Father. Father, let Travis experience Your presence like never before. I just pray that You You come into that room and You fill that room with love, with forgiveness, with peace, Father, and with healing. Father, I I just pray healing. I speak healing over His body, over physically over His body, um, mentally. Father, healing over over His mind. I, I I plead the blood of Jesus over Him and His wife. I plead the blood of Jesus over His life. Father, and I stand in agreement with your word that says by Jesus' stripes that he is healed, Father. We just ask you that you have your hands on the the hands of the doctors, the nurses, anybody that comes in contact with him, Father. uh, Anybody that comes in that room, uh, let them experience the love of Jesus as they enter. Father, and I just pray that you go before him and you be a lamp unto his feet, Father, and you bring him out of this and bring him to a relationship with you and mm-hmm. father we just love you and we just give you all the glory and honor in jesus name amen amen, amen. amen.
0: well luke nine thank you so much for being part of the show um nicky d i appreciate you coming on um again cwf is amazing um i'm so blessed that how this came about even just through a t-shirt i'll be honest that's all it was through a t-shirt And um, yeah that's a true story i mean i can't i'm not gonna make that up true street to a t-shirt gunner was wearing the day i interviewed him and look what happens you know and i again i appreciate your time luke nine and um nikki d uh thank you guys so much for being part of this um it's, it's, it's awesome i can't say nothing else so um, stay tight meet me and meet me in the lobby
2: Championuliflower. Championshipсе.